This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Amen, amen, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this title down, Face Off. I want us to continue in this series of being unleashed, and we're going to talk about unleashing our potential this morning. And we're going to talk about facing off this morning with an adversary that may not be who you think it is. Because unleashing our potential comes through us overcoming obstacles that would try to stop our progress. We want that potential to be unleashed in us because God has created every single one of us with so much potential, with so many things in our lives that He desires for us to do. We're just so full of potential, but oftentimes there's things that would want to come in our way to stop us from moving forward and from that potential being unleashed. And overcoming those obstacles that would stop that progress is what we're going to talk about because we can't overcome what we never face. We've got to face it if we're going to overcome it. Too often we develop these masks that we try to use to hide our insecurities, that we want to hide all of the areas in our lives that we don't want anybody to know anything about. So we just sweep things under the rug and we don't deal with it. Even when it's brought to our face, we don't want to deal with it because we'll choose to construct our lives oftentimes in a way that will restrict our growth. Because we'll prefer comfort over growth. And we'll attach ourselves to things that are familiar that comfort us, but those things rarely challenge us. For our true potential to be unleashed, we must face off with our biggest adversary, and that is oftentimes ourselves. You see, change starts when challenges are confronted. Because we want to change. We realize the need for change. We realize the fact that there's things in our lives that need to change. But that change starts when we actually will confront the challenges that we face instead of trying to run from those things, instead of trying to hide from those things. We confront them because we all face challenges, right? No one is exempt from challenges in life. We all will face a challenge of some sort. But what if we chose to confront those challenges instead of complaining or avoiding them? Because a lot of times we can get caught up in the complaining game where we'll just talk about, oh, it's so terrible, or if I had this, or if I had that, or if I didn't have this person saying or doing this, then everything would be easier and better. But change starts when we actually choose to confront those challenges instead of just complaining about them or avoiding them. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus confronted people with those challenges. He brought people face to face with themselves. You see, we cannot overcome what we don't face. We cannot overcome what we don't face. We can't act like it's not there. We can show everybody else that it's not there, and we can all put the smiley face on, and everything's lovely. But really, Jesus, what he's wanting to do is he's wanting us to deal with the heart issue, with the core issue, with the heart core issue. What's really going on? Because oftentimes you and I like to deal with all the little fringe things that we don't like. We don't like this, so we want to change this one thing. But what Jesus wants us to do is be confronted with our heart and who we really are so we can deal with the core of the issue, with the heart core issue, and then those things begin to change because we begin to deal with our hearts. And we've allowed God to deal with our hearts and align our hearts the way that He would want them aligned to His values and His words and His truth. Amen? Amen. You see, a lot of times we, we act like I did when about four, four or five years ago, I remember I was overweight and I wanted to go work out in the gym and I wanted to lose weight. That was my goal. I wanted to lose weight. And uh, I went in the gym and started working out and got kind of semi-serious 
for about two months. And then I walked in the gym one day. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I walked in the gym and I found one of the personal trainers and I said, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute. Can you tell me kind of what the exercise that I can do to get rid of this belly fat? Because I, I, you know, I was overweight and I want to get rid of that belly. What's that exercise that's just going to burn all that belly fat away? Because I want to get rid of that. And actually, he told me something that I wasn't expecting. Because I was thinking, maybe crunches, maybe And I'll focus on that exercise. And that's the thing that I'm going to do. I'll just burn that exercise out so I can get rid of the thing I don't like. He said, no. He said, that's not how it works. He said, you see, oftentimes that belly fat is the very last to go. You've got to get your overall health in order. He said, and then you're going to start shredding those pounds naturally as you begin to build muscle. And as he said, it's not one magic exercise that you do to just get rid of this one thing you don't like. But often that's how we approach Christ. We say, God, I want you to give me a tip on how to make my life better in this one area that I don't like. I don't like this about myself. I don't like the way things are going in this area. Could you give me a pointer? And God said, no, 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 that's not how it works. You're trying to deal with all the fringe stuff. You're trying to deal with all the surface level stuff. Jesus says, I'm not wanting to deal with all your little surface level issues. I want to cut right to the core, right to the heart core, right to the thing that you need to be confronted and faced with because that's going to affect everything else. I'm wanting to get down to what matters most, not just the surface level junk you think is so important because I got everybody else convinced that I got this together, but really I don't. But oftentimes I only know that. But I don't confront that. I don't face that. I hide it with my own insecurities. Often we try to change circumstances we don't like, but we never deal with the hardcore issue. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll move to another town. That's what I need. Everybody in this town knows who I am. And if I lived in a better town, that would be better. No, actually, if you move to another town, but you never change the hardcore issue, you're just going to recreate the same scenario you had in the last town. It's just going to be a different name and a different face. Oh, if I had a different person in my life or if I had a different job or a different level of income, then things would be better. No, if the heart issue, if the heart core doesn't change, you're going to recreate the exact same scenario. I need a different job. I remember there was a kid that was in my youth group. By the time he had graduated out of my youth group, he was 21 years old, and I caught up with him later on in life. And he told me that from the time he graduated to the time he was 21, he had had over 30 different jobs. And I said, really? Why so many jobs? Well, I went here and they did this and I didn't like this. And he could go through each one and go through the laundry list of all the different things that he didn't like that they did. And I said, it sounds to me like the one common denominator in the story is you. We don't want to be confronted with that because everybody else is our problem. That's why I have 30 different jobs. Because I couldn't handle authority. Because I didn't know how to deal with authority or deal with people and things that I couldn't control and I didn't like. So I just removed myself from the situation until I tried to find one that I could deal with. No, it's a heart issue that he couldn't deal with authority. And when you get confronted with that, whoa, that's my issue? I thought I was doing good. I thought I was a good employee. I thought that I was just rolling right along. You know, and everybody else was my problem. No, you get brought face to face with the fact that, oh man, I'm challenged now. And the only way things are going to change is if I confront those challenges. If I actually deal with that instead of just ignoring it or trying to pass the buck and trying to play the blame game. You see, until you confront the hardcore issue, you're always going to see your answers and your problems always being something or someone else.
until you confront the hardcore issues of what's really going on on the inside, until you're willing to deal with that and be face to face with that, you're always going to look to somebody else to be your answer. Oh, I just need another husband. I just need another wife. I need different kids. <laughs> Maybe that would be the thing. I need different kids. I need a different job. I need a higher level of income. All these different things. I need a different position at work. Then I would be respected. No, you need to start acting like someone who's worthy of being respected now. But that's a hard issue. Insecurity. It's a hard issue. Amen? Amen. We got to see that. We got to see through the junk. It's a heart issue. And we don't like being confronted with our heart. We get mad at people. Don't you tell me that. I don't like that. Tell me I'm good. And tell me how bad the other person is. You know what? When I do marriage counseling, a lot of times there will be, you know, husband and wife sitting together and talking to them. And then all of a sudden, the wife is sitting there hoping I say something that he's going to hear that he needs to hear. So on the ride home, she can go, did you hear what pastor said? <laughs> and then he's hoping that I say something that she needs to hear. And so on the ride home, he could go, woman, did you hear what he said? Submit. And we hope that the pastor will say that so we can just get them aligned to our side, not so we can really hear the situation and listen to the other person and hear what's going on. No, we don't want to confront ourselves. We want the other person to be confronted because they're my problem. This situation is my problem. No, I can't do anything because of this or that or because I wasn't brought up this way or that way. I didn't have this opportunity or that opportunity. And so we use all these things as excuses and they keep us from being unleashed with the full potential that God has created us to be unleashed with. Our potential gets hindered, gets held back. Because change starts when challenges are confronted. If you have your Bible this morning, go to the book of John and the fifth chapter. John chapter 5. We're going to look at the very first verse in John chapter 5. And then when you're done there, when, when we get finished reading, I want you to hold your finger in John because we're going we're gonna to go to another scripture in John here in just a minute. John chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 1, says this. After this, there was a feast of, Jews, of, of the Jews, and, Jeru and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel would go down at a certain time into the pool and stir the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now there was a certain man there who had had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been in that condition for a very long time, he looked at the guy and says, do you want to be made well? What an odd question to be asked. Jesus knew that this guy had been laying by this pool for quite some time, and he knew the man had been sick for 38 years. And then Jesus walks up to him and says, Do you want to be made well? Was Jesus just messing with him? Was he just being mean? No. Jesus had an, a, a reason for everything that he did and what he was doing. He was trying to get to the heart core of this man's issue. I'll show you this in a minute. Verse 7, the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. When the water stirred up, while I'm coming, another one just steps down in front of me. I can't get there quick enough. Jesus said to him, rise up, take your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. 
The Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured, Hey, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them and said, He who made me well said to me, Take up my bed and walk. You know, not me. Somebody else told me. Then they asked him, they said, Who is this man who told you, Take up your bed and walk? He said, I don't know, because Jesus was no longer there. Because the one who was healed did not know who it was, because Jesus had already withdrawn from the multitude. There's a lot of people there. Jesus had already gone away. But then Jesus does something that we don't have record of him doing any other place in Scripture. Verse 14, afterwards, Jesus found this man in the temple. He went looking for him. Jesus went and actually looked for a man that he had healed. And he went and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Then the man departed, told the Jews it was Jesus who had made him well. I find this really interesting because I see a couple of things about this guy. First of all, this guy's been sick for 38 years. And he doesn't have anybody at all to put him in this pool. So that means somewhere along the line, something he did really messed up a lot of relationships that he must have had. Because I don't even care if you and I aren't very good friends. If you know that there's this pool that I could take you to and I could just throw you in the water and you'll be healed, I'll probably do it for you. It's like, okay, let's wait. Bloop, bloop, nope, nope, okay. Bloop, bloop, nope, 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 that wasn't it. Hang on just a second, buddy. This is going to be awesome. Oh, there goes the water. You just throw him in the water. Woo, I can walk. Man, that was awesome. You want to go get healed today? Let's go throw you in the water. You don't even have to be a good friend of mine for me to be willing to do that for you, right? So obviously this guy didn't have any friends at all. So something he had done somewhere along the line had ostracized him from his family, from his friends, because even a halfway decent friend would wait with you by the pool if they knew that you could go down there and be healed. And he could have just had someone there waiting with him for the angel to trouble the water, but nobody was there with him. He had said many times before he'd seen other people get healed, and he wasn't able to get there. So somewhere along, and then Jesus lets us in on a little bit more of this guy's life. After the man had been healed, Jesus went looking for him. Now, if Jesus had just healed you, and then he comes looking for you afterwards, you're going to be like, hey, there's a guy right there. Check it out. Hey, what's up, Jesus? Woo! Check this out. Hey, I couldn't do that 38 years ago. But that isn't what happened. Jesus didn't go to fist bump him and say, hey, woo, that was awesome. Way to be healed. That's not how it went down. Jesus went to him and said, hey, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. What? What an odd thing to actually go look for somebody to tell them that. Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible. But after every healing, that wasn't like his calling card. You know, blind man, oh, I can see. Go and sin no more. That wasn't how Jesus operated. This is a very unique situation that Jesus actually goes and finds the man to tell him, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So what that gives me an idea of what could have happened was probably that the reason this man was sick and lame had something to do with some foolishness that he had allowed in his life and some bad decisions that he had made that had actually ostracized him from his friends and his family and left him lame and alone. And now Jesus is saying, now that I've healed you, I see right through you. The legs weren't the issue. The heart is the issue. Now don't go and do this again, lest something worse happens to you. He said, I see right through you. I'm seeing through your facade. I'm seeing through all of your wounds. I'm seeing through all of your scars. And I'm wanting to get you face to face with your heart. 
Now here's the crazy thing. At that moment, the man knew that Jesus knew him. He had an Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden moment. You know, when they knew that they had sinned and they realized they were naked and they went and hid because they actually realized they were naked and God said, where are you at? And they're like, we're hiding. This is the moment that this man has where it's almost like, I see you. I see through all your junk. I see through all your issues and I'm trying to get to the core what's really going to help you, what's really going to matter, what you really need to face and be confronted with. And it wasn't your legs and your, the fact that you were lame and you didn't have anybody to help you. Because that's what we want to do. We want to go, oh, I'm lame. i got nobody to help me. This is my issue. No, that's not your issue. That's a symptom of a deeper issue. And Jesus is wanting to bring that to the surface because he wants to cut right to the heart core. Is this making sense to anybody today? Change is going to start when you confront those challenges in your life. But a lot of times, something will hold us back from ever confronting these things. And it's pride. Pride will hold back progress. It will keep us from moving forward. Pride will keep us from even acknowledging that we have an issue. Pride will keep us from acknowledging the fact that there's something in our heart that isn't pretty. Because we want everybody to see pretty, pretty. We want everybody else to see how nice that we are. How well put together we are. How strong we are. How secure we are. And it's just a facade. And Jesus says, I see you. I see you right through it. We want to act all super spiritual. Oh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus, thank you today. Mm, let me tell you, somebody, can I get a witness in here? Amen, brother. You want to go eat a sausage McGriddle today? Amen, sausage McGriddle, amen. Praise the Lord, I think I'll get a large Coke, amen. And I think that I'm going to drink it. I think I'm going to go get a refill, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we can act all super spiritual like we got it all together in every day of our lives. But Jesus says, I see you. I see right to the heart. I see the core. I see what's going on. I see the fact that you're scared, that you're wounded, and you need healing and restoration, and you need to confront this. Because if you don't confront it, you're just going to recreate it somewhere else. Other people and other things are not your problem. The thing is, is that Jesus has said, if you're dealing with that bitterness and unforgiveness, it's a heart issue in your core. It's not their problem. It's your problem. Amen, somebody? Amen. You can give somebody a million dollars and they'd be broke a week later, so winning the lottery is not your answer. Maybe it's learning how to live your life and be a good steward of what you have. I think that's in the Bible somewhere. It says, I'll give you more because you've been faithful over what I've given you. Amen, somebody? Amen. But when we're too prideful to admit these things, when we're too prideful to even see these things ourselves, it holds back progress. Flip over a couple of pages in the book of John to John chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 31 this morning. John 8 and verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They said to him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? Listen, Jesus is just trying to say, hey, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm here, baby. I'm here to set you free. I'm here to connect you to God. I'm here to take away all the bondage and the chains that come along with sin. And these guys said, we're not slaves to anybody. We're descendants of Abraham. 
pride. Pride. And Jesus looks at these jokers and he says, verse 34, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and I do what you have seen with your, and you do what you have seen with your father. And then they get a little offended because they're going, wait a minute, we just told you that Abraham was our daddy. We told you I can trace back on the family tree and I can go all the way to Abraham. And now you're saying that I'm doing what my father? Wait, wait a minute. And they said, verse 39, Abraham is our father. Just in case you didn't hear it the first time, Jesus. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. So if you're not saying that Abraham's not our father, then why are you saying they get upset? They're thinking maybe he's accusing us of being illegitimate children and we really aren't, can't trace our lineage back to Abraham and we really aren't children of Abraham. So they said this, we're not born of fornication. We have one father and that's God. Jesus looks at him and says, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but I came because he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? I'll tell you why. Because you're not able to listen to my words. You're of your father, the devil. And you do the desires of your father, what he wants you to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own resources. For he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you don't hear because you're not of God. Whoo! These guys were prideful in their lineage, in their heritage, were Jews. Abraham's our father. And Jesus says, mm -mm. if Abraham was your father, you would be acting like Abraham. Abraham was righteous in the eyes of God. He said, Abraham was called a friend of God. You're not a friend of God because you want to kill me. In other words, Jesus was saying, I see right through you. I see your heart, and in your heart is murder. In your heart, you're wanting to kill me. You're not asking me questions because you honestly want to know the answer. You're asking me questions because you're trying to trap me because you really want to kill me, and I see it. I see right through it. Jesus brought these guys face to face with themselves. And he said, this, you want to know who your father is? You're of your father, the devil, because you're acting just like him. Because that's what's in your heart. They were brought face to face with their heart. They were brought face to face in that moment. And Jesus was saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to be confronted with yourself because I want you to love me. I want you to follow me. I want you to trust in me. But before that happens, you've got to have that pride be broken. That pride has got to be broken because it's going to hold back progress. It's going to keep you stuck. And it's just going to make you angry. It's going to keep you in the place that you don't want to be. Jesus was saying to him, deal with this. Here's who you are. I see straight through it. You're not even trying to hear my words. You're more concerned about being right than you are trying to hear my words. I know nobody in here is concerned about being right. You just try to listen to everybody. 
Now, wait a minute. I think we all do that. Where we're more concerned with being right than we are listening. We're more concerned with pushing our agenda and being right than we are trying to understand someone else or trying to understand what God would want to say. Because when we hear messages like this and maybe the Holy Spirit brings up things that may confront us with ourselves, we often will begin to make excuses. We'll begin to defend ourselves because that's what pride does. Pride always defends itself because a prideful heart is unwilling to listen when it's confronted. A prideful heart is unwilling to listen when it's confronted because here's the thing. You want, to let me in, want me to let you in on a little secret? The reason for that is because a prideful heart doesn't really want to grow. A prideful heart really does not want to grow. A prideful heart wants to be right. A prideful heart doesn't want to understand. A prideful heart wants to be right. A prideful heart is more concerned with you believing what I said because I'm right and you coming over to my way of thinking than it is listening, trying to understand, trying to believe and trust. No, it's more concerned with being right. If you're constantly defending yourself at every challenge or confrontation, you're dealing with pride. Happy, happy, happy. <laughs> every time, if you're constantly defending yourself, you're constantly having to defend yourself at every challenge. It's because you're dealing with pride. A humble heart will be positioned to grow, but because it's hearing what God is saying. A humble heart doesn't try to prove how much it knows, but it asks, how much can I learn and grow from here? A humble heart doesn't come to church to see if the pastor can impress me with something I've never heard before. But it comes to church expecting to receive something from God to help them to grow. Amen, somebody? A lot of times when we deal with pride, we don't like that uncomfortable feeling that we get when we're brought face to face with ourselves and we go, ooh, ooh, oh, that hurts. You're not just stepping on my toes, you're stepping on my whole foot. And you just go, oh man, this is, this is true, this is me, and I see it. And oftentimes instead of dealing with that in that moment of confrontation, we'll run to something familiar because we like to surround ourselves with familiar things. Because they make us comfortable. The familiar may comfort, but it fails to confront every single time. That's what the familiar will do. The familiar will comfort, but it fails to confront. Instead of growing through a challenge in life, we'll often resort to comfort in what's familiar. Let me tell you something. If you're going through a challenge right now in life and all of a sudden you got a whole new slew of friends that came out of the woodwork because of the challenge you're going through, they're not really friends. Hello, somebody. Because a lot of times people be addicted to your drama. You put your drama out there and you start talking about your husband or your wife or something like that and then all of a sudden next thing you know your best friend is somebody who's going through a divorce as well and they hate their husband just as much as you hate yours. Or you make, some, you make friends with somebody who's got some crazy kids because your kids is crazy? Uh-uh. You ain't helping each other. You're not helping each other. Amen? You're trying to get free from pornography and your best friend is somebody who's addicted to porn? No, that's not going to work. Amen? It's not going to work. Because oftentimes we'll resort to familiar things or people who will feel sorry for us 
or people who will want to comfort us because instead of embracing the challenge, instead of confronting the thing that's in our heart that needs to be dealt with, we'll run to something comfortable because I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to face it. And so I'll rally around people who will only pump me up and make me feel better. And I'll often distance myself from the people who are in a loving way trying to bring me face to face with what's in my heart and the truth. Oh, you told me that. I'm mad at you. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I'm going to block you on Facebook. Why? Because they told you the truth? If people come out of the woodwork and surround you and become your friend because of a crisis you're going through, they're not, they're not your friends. Yeah, let me tell you, if you want to complain about the boss at work, you probably won't have to look very far. Somebody will be your friend. Do you want to have a friend that you just both complain and gripe about the way that the organization is being run? Or do you want to be able to grow and help make things better? And making yourself better in the process. Which is it? A lot of times we really don't want to make things better. We want somebody else to do it for us. And so we'll just complain about it until something happens we like. Or we'll just disconnect ourselves from it and go find something we like. Is that how we treat our relationships, our friends, our marriages, our children? church. Oh, I don't like this church. They, don't, they did something I didn't like, so I just pick up and go somewhere instead of learning to grow through it because I was offended. Hello, somebody. Walking out of one church offended, walking into the next one offended. You're going to get offended sooner or later because there's a lot of people there and people aren't perfect. <laughs> pastors aren't perfect. I mean, most pastors aren't perfect. <laughs> I kid. Pastors aren't perfect. People aren't perfect. So do we learn how to grow and work with one another in love? Or do we just get upset and we just get stuck? Or do we surround ourselves with things that are comfortable and all these people begin to surround us and come out of the woodwork we hadn't talked to in years? Listen, here's the thing. If you're struggling in your marriage, don't go seek advice from someone who's in the same boat as you're in. That's connecting with familiarity. And what it'll do... It's not that it's bad to have a friend. It's not that it's a bad thing to have a friend. It's just that if you're connecting with someone like that, you're never going to get confronted with the hardcore issues that you really need to deal with to enable you to grow. If you're having trouble raising your kids, don't go seek out people who have the exact same problem as you because misery loves company. <laughs> but complaining to someone who hasn't figured things out themselves or who hasn't grown is not going to help us face ourselves only going to delay that. It's not going to help. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God confront us and show us our hardcore issues if we're willing to listen. The Bible says, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. Let he who has ears to hear. Do we have ears to hear or are we just too busy trying to be right and justify why we're thinking about, man, boy, I sure wish so-and-so was here to hear this message today. <laughs> if you're thinking that, you've missed the whole point. Because it's not about somebody else being here to hear it. It's about us hearing it and being faced with ourselves. God, what in me are you trying to make me aware of that's holding back my potential? It's not that God's beating you over the head with the hammer. It's not that Pastor Derek's beating you over the head with the hammer. I'm not. I'm just trying to help us to get to a place where we're aware that when we're confronted with challenges, that we're willing to work through those and grow through those and not just ignore them like they're not there and play a bunch of games. Amen?
I'm not in this thing to play games. I'm in this thing because I want to grow and do something for the kingdom of God. I want to be more effective tomorrow than I was today. Amen. I want to be a better husband than I was yesterday. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better leader than I was yesterday. Amen. Because I want to be more effective because I want the potential that God has placed on the inside of me to be awakened and unleashed to go and impact this world for his kingdom. That's what I want to do. And that's what he wants for you. He wants you to be unleashed. And all this junk that is just holding us back and it's keeping us back, it's going to stop us if we don't confront it and deal with it and be honest. Amen? We've got to deal with it. We've got to be honest. We've got to get it and go, okay. Okay, I get it. Right. You see me, Jesus? You see me. Let's deal with this. And as we deal with the heart core issues... Then all of those surface level issues we were so concerned about begin to get handled naturally because we're plugged into what He wants. Amen? Amen. We're dealing with the things that He's trying to get us to deal with in our lives. For our potential to be unleashed, we need to look at the Word of God as the mirror to our heart and allow growth in understanding His truth. Because He's already made you as free as you're going to be. You've just got to grow in understanding of the truth that sets us free. Amen? Amen. You've got to grow in understanding exactly what Christ has paid for you. It's not that sin controls your life anymore. No, you've been freed from the power of sin. you just got to start acting like it and start believing that you're worth something. Amen? got to believe that there's potential on the inside of you, that Christ has already set you free, that he's already redeemed you, that he's not here to condemn because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that you're free. Amen? And you've got to start seeing yourself that way. And you've got to start understanding that. You've got to start growing in that. So you can have that potential be unleashed. And you can deal with the things and allow God to deal with the things in your heart. That maybe, well, my father wasn't there. And so I swept it under the rug. Or maybe I grew up with this kind of complex because of this situation in my life. So I sweep it under the rug. And I'm just trying to fix all the surface level issues when I'm not allowing God to deal with the heart core. Allow forgiveness to come out because you've been forgiven much. Amen? I just can't forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know the kind of life I had growing up. You don't understand. Well, you know, you've been forgiven much and we have to be good stewards of the grace of God and we have to learn to come to that place to be able to genuinely and honestly forgive others so we can move forward in our lives as well and not let that be a stumbling block. That's being unleashed. That's our potential being unleashed. Because we're willing to confront the things in our heart, in our heart core, our heart core issues. Our God-given potential is being unleashed so we can confidently grow and move forward as children of God. I found a great quote. It says this. The first thing you need to do is be honest with yourself. You can never have an impact on society if you have not changed yourself. Great peacemakers are often people of integrity, honesty, but most of all, humility. Would you bow your heads this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.